Welcome to Your Partner in Success Radio, a program that values the potential of knowledge, collaboration, and growth. The show is hosted by Denise Griffiths, who is known as an intensely curious nerd in stilettos. Each Wednesday, she is joined by co-host Ben Gay III, a renowned figure in the sales world. Ben is recognized for introducing The Closers, one of the most popular and powerful sales training materials ever produced. Having been mentored by Dr. Napoleon Hill himself, Ben has gained a wealth of knowledge in sales and life. Throughout the show, Denise and Ben delve into the world of sales, entrepreneurship, and success, exploring Ben's vast experience from guiding and mentoring countless professionals to achieve unparalleled success in their careers. Together, they offer unmatched guidance to listeners seeking success in their professional endeavors. Good morning and welcome to another episode of the Closers Inner Circle podcast hosted by your partner in Success Radio. I am your host, Denise Griffiths, and together with my co-host, Ben Gay III, We spend each week diving into the world of sales mastery with a gem from The Closers Part 2. Now, if you're not familiar with these books yet, they are books one and two, widely known as the sales Bibles. And last week, we covered how to show your benefits, and that was from The Closers Part 2, page 131. And we covered a little bit of our topic today, and our topic is Mastering Sales Strategies to Overcome Gatekeepers and Boost Your Income from page 141. So here's the thing, within the sales profession, numerous individuals are earning less than their true potential. We know this, we hear it, we see it, sometimes we are it. And many find themselves living below the standard that they could achieve, and that's reflected in their clothing, their dining choices, and even their mode of transportation. And the primary culprit, it's easy to figure out what it is. A significant portion of your potential sales meets an untimely demise before reaching you. And this demise is orchestrated by the formidable killer switchboard, also recognized as the guardian at the gate. Gatekeepers are often known as the executive assistants or receptionists, whoever they are. They are entrusted with the responsibility, excuse me, of thwarting individuals like you from securing an audience Here I go. (laughs) I can do this from securing an audience with the ultimate decision maker and the keeper of the checkbook. They're going to keep you out. You, we've all come across it. When I had um, a corporate job, if you will, I owned a business that required that I have front facing people. Nobody got to me. If it happened once or twice, it was okay. The third time somebody was fired. That was the job. So Ben, what are we talking about today? Well, the title of the uh, session is Your Switchboard is Killing You, and switchboard is uh, inclusive. By that, I mean your switchboard, your receptionist, your secretary, your executive assistant, whatever. And Anything that can stop you from getting to us, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. And... uh, Also, uh, I have a dear friend, Hugh Harris, who was in the home improvement business for many years. He was telling me one day, you know, we've got 300 people and whatever it was at the time. And I said, no, you don't. He said, no, no, I, I know what our employee count is, our payroll count. I said, Hugh, you have one employee, the one who's standing in front of your customer on their front porch. 
the company at the time was known as Dixie Home Crafters. I said, that person is all of Dixie Home Crafters. They represent the other 299 employees that the customer doesn't even know you have. They represent you. And the customer doesn't know you exist. They are Dixie Home Crafters. And that's true with the switchboard, uh, the executive assistant, whatever. I had an interesting thing one day. I was talking to Ray Considine, the author of Waymish, which is a great book. Why are you making it so hard for me to give you my money? Was what Waymish stands for, at least the first few words. He had come to uh, see me. He was a mentor and a a uh, paid advisor uh, before his untimely demise. And uh, so he's sitting in my office one day and he says, Ben, uh, well, he said, I, I try and do everything you that I see you do and so on. He was good at buttering people up. I thought, uh oh, here comes <laughs> here comes some bad news. Uh, and, I, and I've noticed something on this visit in particular uh, and I like your advice before I implement it in my business. I said, okay, what's that? He said, well, calling and getting you on the phone is difficult. He said, fortunately, I've broken through the wall of Marty. Marty was Martha Conley, my uh, gatekeeper, my personal gatekeeper right outside the door, and my executive assistant. I'm not sure we use that title then. But as people used to laugh and say, Marty runs the company. Ben has the title. So door, you had a door. Yeah. So he said, I, 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 I can do fine with her if I can get to her. But when I approach the building, the door is locked and I have to be buzzed in. Then I have to have a good story for the receptionist and in the lobby. And she buzzes me into Marty's assistant, who then, if, I, if I'm really good, gives me to Marty. And he said, then it eases up because I cracked that nut a long time ago. Uh, he said, so my question is, why? what advantage do you have in in making it difficult to get to you? And I think I forget what the count was, but there were five or six layers because I was so important. And <laughs> and I said, oh, I was I, just thinking that. Yeah, I, I uh, you, you could probably have gotten to the president of the United States easier <laughs> than to get through my setup. And I said, well, that's a, a very good point. Um and I'm not sure I know the answer, except to give you the general answer. Marty's future is based on, among other things, who she does and does not let into my office. And she, after uh, the company, we I left the company. She went with me to Canada for a while and then uh, went out on her own when we all returned from Canada. She then started teaching seminars on her own about how to be a wonderful gatekeeper. And she put it in a positive way. The positive spin on it was, my job is to protect the time of the person I'm gatekeeping, for whom I'm gatekeeping. In the, the example I just gave you, it's Ben Gay. And uh, I, I want lots of people to see him. They bring us lots of great, great ideas. I'm not here to stop the world from seeing him. I'm, um, I'm here to stop the flakes from tying up his time. So it's my job, and I'm judged on it and paid according to it. 
who I let in and don't and who and who I don't let in. She went on to say and has said many times over the years, I'm looking for good people to let in. I want people to go in, change our lives, increase our sales and profits and so on. And then I get credit for saying, do you remember that day when he showed up at the door unannounced and I talked to him for a while and decided to let him into you? He said, that makes me a hero. Conversely, if I let some idiot in there to tie up a 45 minutes of your time, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if I got fired at the end of that meeting. So she said, don't look at gatekeeper in a negative way. Look at a gatekeeper as a qualifier, the person who decides if you're going to get in or not. Now we have good gatekeepers and bad gatekeepers. Marty was capable of running the company and sort of did from time to time. I was amazed how many things got done that I didn't know about because she knew what I would have done and she knew what was right and so on. But uh, so her job as she looked at it was the quality of people she let in and she was looking for good quality people, wanted to let them in. But understand when you're the one who's allegedly running the company or you're the president or you're the owner, you need to know what that public face is. Uh, and uh, among the things I mentioned in that particular chapter that we're talking about, your switchboard is killing you, is calling your own company and asking for you and see what happens or have somebody else call and ask for you, but you listen in and find out how you're being represented. I told you off the record, uh, and I'll clean it up a little bit. Uh, I was when I left the big cosmetic company, a friend of of ours uh, was running a big company in international shipping, household goods shipping for the military. And he called me and he says, I want you to come over here and do for me what you did for them. Now that you're free, you know, come on over. So I went over on the other side of San Francisco Bay, went to his office, got there about 10, 15 minutes early. So I was sitting in the lobby listening to their receptionist or whoever, I don't know what her title was, but she answered the phone and she greeted people as they came through the door. And she was horrible, rude. I'm not talking about qualifying, just rude. She didn't like anybody. Uh, she didn't like me when I came in until I explained I had a specific timed appointment with the head of the company, Ralph Johnson. It was Van Pack International Carriers. They're the people who invented the or discovered a different use for the pods, you see, before the pod revolution. When they were moving military people, what would happen is your stuff would get thrown a truck, broken, lost on the way to Germany, etc. Ralph came up with the idea of putting the container, he was already in the containerized shipping business, on your lawn in New Jersey, if you were in the army and heading for Germany, for instance, you packed it up, you locked it up, and you called them. The next time you saw all your stuff was exactly as you had packed it on your lawn on the army base in Germany. It was really simple but ingenious. And so he had become very wealthy and had this huge international company going. So I walk in when I'm finally called in. I walk into his office and he says, well, Ben Gay, how are you? You know, good to see you, et cetera. I'm so glad you can be on our team. Uh, just to start off the day right, 
uh, give me your first idea. Keep in mind, I hadn't met with him in an official sense, only socially up to that point. First time I'd ever been in his office, and I'd only been there 15 minutes maximum. Now he wants an idea that will change his life. And I said, well, I got one. He said, what's that? I said, fire that blank in your lobby. She is the most obnoxious you know, person I've ever seen, et cetera. And I went on and explained why I didn't like her and why she shouldn't be representing him. And he, he sort of chuckled and he said, Ben, I'd love to, but that's my sister. So, <laughs> You've so, told me that story a couple of times and yeah. I, I have to smother my laughter. Every yeah. Seven billion people on the planet. I picked <laughs> that moment to knock his sister. <laughs> but I what I said was, was a absolutely... lovely person inside, deep, deep inside. <laughs> What I said was absolutely true. It was probably just not very politic. Uh, perhaps I should have framed it differently or done a little more qualifying. But she was, to the outside world, Van Pack International Carriers. And she he was doing very well, but she had to have cost him a lot of business. If he hadn't been sort of a personal friend, I might have gotten up and left and, and just gone back home rather than wait around because it was such a horrible, almost a smell, a stink around his organization. You know, if you want to be insulted, call here. And I, I sat there and listened to her slam down the phone on 15 or 20 people. So we're getting on both the positive and negative side of the gatekeeper. You want your gatekeeper to be like a salesperson, a good front for the company. You want someone who's articulate, uh, male or female, at least relatively nice looking. Uh, it's your trademark or your label until they get inside the door and, and get more exposure. On the other hand, you want that person to guard your time. You can always get more money, as the old saying goes, but you can't get more time. Once someone has raced, wasted 45 minutes of your day, it's gone. So let's get on the outside looking in. People, you know, I'm the salesman, and when I get through my presentation, I close the sale. Well, good for you. But you don't get in many of the places you want to get in because you overlook the first sale. The first sale is calling on somebody like Marty Conley and convincing her that she will look better for having let you in. That's the first sale. And if you don't make that sale, your closing ability at the end doesn't mean anything because you'll never be able to give it to anybody. And keep in mind that everybody in a company can say no. The janitor who meets you at the door can say no. And if you're, um, if you're not sales savvy, if you're weak, that might be the end of the sale. There's only one person in the building for whatever you're selling who by himself or herself can say, yes, your job is to get a fair, get in front of that person on the phone, on the internet, however you're doing it, get in front of that person and give your quality presentation. So I, to oversimplify it, I always make the gatekeeper my friend as quickly as I possibly can, because if I don't make that sale, everything else is down the toilet. I may have related this story in a in a different uh, session that we've done, but I have a 
client in the investment banking business. I was down there one day doing a, a sit, sit around the conference table type seminar with their top, I don't know, 10, 12 people. If you were sitting at that table, you were a millionaire because the type of money they make, you have to be a millionaire to be in their top 10 or 12 people. And uh, But they have the same challenges the rest of us do. So during a break, we're out in this courtyard in a beautiful office building in Pasadena, California, and just chatting, killing 10 or 15 minutes, getting to know him on a personal level. And I see this squirrel come down a tree, pop up on the railing and run over closer to the office building. It was a inner courtyard type setup and pick up a soda cracker that somebody I assumed had left out for the squirrel. And But what we were talking about was gatekeepers, and they were talking about the boss's gatekeeper in that company was a killer because I walked into the building arm in arm with the owner. I didn't encounter that. She was nice to me because of who I was with and so on. I didn't have to get past her to get in. But they had talked about her as the world's toughest gatekeeper. I had no reason to doubt that. So I look, I'm watching the squirrel. And I said, uh, that's interesting. Is he semi-tame? They said, oh, yeah, that's so-and-so's squirrel. I won't give her name. His name is Buddy, and she loves him, and she buys soda crackers, and he goes through about a box a week, uh, one at a time. I said, well, that's fascinating. So when I went home, back up to where we live in Northern California, I immediately went to the feed store. We have several feed stores because we're out in the country. And I walked in and I said, gentlemen, do we have by any chance gourmet squirrel food? Is there such a thing? They said, oh, yeah, just the quality, more nuts and more this and so on and so on. I said, great, show it to me. They showed it. It looked like something if I saw it in a bowl, I'd eat it. <laughs> uh, it, you know, it sounds it, yummy, actually. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, lucky squirrels. So I said, give me whatever, five pounds, 10 pounds. I forget what I got. And I put that in a priority mailbox and I sent it to Buddy uh, at the company name and street address and so on. Buddy the squirrel. Sent it priority mail. A few days later, a couple of days, as best I recall, she called me. I later heard that she doesn't call anybody. <laughs> she called me. And said, I, uh, Buddy got the squirrel food. He absolutely loves it. Thank you so very much. I said, well, tell me when you run out or you're getting low. There's plenty more where that came from. She said, okay. Well, thank you very much. She said, by the way, Ben, I want you to know that whatever you need at this company, just call me and I'll handle everything. You don't have to you know, go here, go there, whatever. And she backed that up the next time I was down in that uh, we, I don't know whether it was my fault or somebody else's fault, hadn't sent them the invoice for my appearance, the retainer, ahead of time. So I did the meeting, which I never do for anybody, but I did for him because he's a friend of 30 years standing and a very one of the few people who's a billionaire with a B that I personally hang out with, and uh, three or four others, but he he was the first and the biggest. And uh, so 
next time I'm down, I find as I'm getting ready to leave, I've noticed the invoice is in my pocket. It never was submitted to them. It never was mailed. So I went out and I said to her, I'm really sorry. This should have been sent to you a couple of weeks ago. Um, but uh, if you put it in the hopper, I would appreciate it. By that, I meant I'm leaving. You mail me the check and whatever. And she looked at it. And I, it's the first time I ever heard the term. She said, easy peasy. <laughs> and, That's a Southern thing. Yeah. Tap, tap, tap. Print. And she handed me a substantial check. Didn't have to check with the boss. Didn't have to check with the accounting department. Nothing. She cut the check and handed it to me. She said something to the effect of, like I said, anytime you need something, you call me. So I, the only time I didn't do that from then on is calling other people in the building to find out how Buddy's squirrel food was doing. I didn't want to ask her. I thought that looked sort of gauche. So I would ask others, look in that priority mailbox. That's where she keeps the squirrel food and tell me how it's doing. If they said it was low, off one another box to Buddy about every nine or 10 months, as it turned out. So the gatekeeper can make or break you. And there's two sides to the story. Make sure you have the right person as your gatekeeper your receptionist, executive assistant, whatever, make sure that he or she, that you know that he or she is the company. While they're talking to that person or communicating with that person, they are your entire company. You might be a billion dollar organization with uh, three or 400 people working for you, but at any given moment, moment, you have one person who represents the entire company. It's important that she or he is trained properly, understands their role, and was picked carefully. And then behind closed doors with the gatekeeper, you explain their duties as far as letting people in or out and why, so that they're a part of your team, not just the person who sits outside your door. And uh, then you... Uh, train everyone in the organization to know the importance of individual contact with the customer and in particular the point person for the company your executive assistant whomever they'll figure out one day i was talking to one of our vice presidents he was in charge of the southwest united states and and he gave me an idea or a request or something i said okay i'll i'll handle that for you and i said uh, uh, I said, I'll handle that for you. And he said, Ben, this is really important. I really want it done. Can I speak to Marty, please? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it, was just a, it was just a little aside on his part, but I thought, oh, he's figured out who really runs this company. Oh, I'm sorry, that's funny. He or she controls the information. The, right. the, it's like the chief of staff in the White House, probably the most powerful job in the in the government, because the president doesn't see it to make a decision about it unless the chief of staff decides that he's going to see it. So That's why there's uh, so much lobbying going around in those corridors. Absolutely. So it's just vitally important. And then going back to, in our case, mainly salespeople, understand your first sale is not how wonderful your product is. 
your first sale is getting past in a positive manner whoever they have fronting the organization. And then on the other side of, uh, you know, this this conversation we're talking about, you had referenced how are you being represented? And of course, as a web developer and somebody who does a lot of social media marketing for my clients, I will ask this to new clients in particular when I'm consulting with them to decide if we're going to be a good fit. And I'll say, okay, do you have a website? I'll go look at it. And I don't say anything about it. It might be a great website. And I come across them. Just needs a few tweaks. It may be, oh, my God, what were you thinking? Those are more, more often landing on my desk. But I will say, okay, listen, what I want you to do, I'm going to give you homework. I want you, and you said it, you know, what happens when you walk in the door of your own business? I want you to go to your website, <clears throat> excuse me, and I want you to walk in the door like you've never been in there before. And I want you to tell me, write it down. I want you to tell me what you see. Do people have to go left? Do they have to go right? Are they immediately, you know, having, they hit a gate, like, I don't know where else to go. I don't know what's going on here. You'd be surprised how many websites don't function because whoever built them didn't understand their gatekeeping, you know, part of it. Who do we let in? How do we bring them in? Who do we keep out? It's really important. Absolutely. The, uh, first images or you never get a second opportunity to make a a first impression Uh, you may be able to patch up the wounds and get around it somehow but from the time when i leave the house if i'm going on a trip or making a test call i test all the scripts and so on i write when i go out the front door i say to myself and sometimes out loud if there's an audience there a neighbor or gg or whatever i say it's showtime because from that moment and i always do it in the hotel room on the way down to do a seminar or give a speech it's showtime from the time i encounter the maid in the hotel who's getting ready to change the sheets she could affect my life in some way. She could say something to the manager. She could say something to the head of housekeeping. Uh, you know, I could be the one without sheets and towels. <laughs> so there's a million ways to get back at somebody if you're in a certain position. Uh, when I was in the Coast Guard, uh, people, they, I was running a rather large office for them, and uh, people would come in. Hello, and I was just an enlisted man when I first got the job. I was a seaman just out of uh, boot camp. Uh, Sailor, do this, do this, do this. Well, they didn't know I had a paper shredder right next to my desk. Oh. So if something came. This is why we get along so well. We're sneaky. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and then he slams the door and leaves. And then I look down and there's a request for him for something. (laughs) <laughs> gone <laughs> and then with my straight poker face that i'm semi-famous for uh when he comes back wondering so i don't know and i never saw it if we got a copy of it or you know what and if they make another copy of it then uh, i treat them politely and said i don't know what happened to that but i'll put it back in the system they leave And so eventually, I never had a a conversation with anybody about, are you messing with me? 
but their behavior changed. And when their behavior changed, suddenly their requests went through. The gatekeeper can do that to you. As I said, anyone in the building can say no. Only one person can say yes. But the one who can say no, all caps, exclamation mark, is the gatekeeper. However they're disguised, they might you know, have the title assistant to the president or uh, secretary or re chief receptionist. It doesn't make any difference. You got to find that person and handle them as well or better than you do your target customer. But and, then, and and call your own business. I touched on that earlier. Yes. You yeah. just did. Call your own business. Call it. Email it. Do whatever. Put it under a pseudonym. Find out how people are being treated who uh, try to make contact with your company, and. Oh, with my friend Hugh Harris, the head of one of the largest roofing company, roofing manufacturers, the stuff you put on the roof, called him one day, and uh, he's, he said, uh, I've uh, been trying to get one of our people to get through to you, you know, we're the biggest in the business or whatever, and somehow we're not doing business with Dixie Home Crafters. And Hugh said, I'm paraphrasing the story, it's been years since I heard it, but uh, paraphrasing, Hugh said, well, that's odd because I called you, I'm guessing 10 times to try and get you to call on us and sell us stuff. And he said, uh, uh, the guy said, well, why didn't you reach me? I don't know, but the lady wouldn't let me reach you. And he said to Hugh, funny you should mention that. This is my third call trying to get through to you the head of one of the largest home improvement com companies in the country, the largest in the Southeast at that time, and the head of the largest roofing company, nationally known name, had been trying to get to each other and neither one could without, until this lucky break, uh, neither one could because of bad gatekeepers. Hughes gatekeepers said to him, apparently, uh, we already have a roofing supplier. Thank you. Oh, wow. <laughs> Oh, hello. That's a fire. <laughs> That's when you get your butt fired right there. Yeah, right it there. should have been. Yeah. Or heavy or fire the person who trained her or so, somebody needs to hit the door. My gosh. Well, yeah. And, you know, we're talking about different ways that people can reach you or should be able to reach you. Or if they really don't want you to reach them, they should have that option as well. But with websites, that can be a big bottleneck for you. Then we've got LinkedIn. I'm I'm on a tear about LinkedIn right now. I don't know who is training these people to do this, but it's annoying. That's three different syllables. Annoying. Um, yeah, I think it's three. But anyway, it's irritating. So recently, because I'm a podcaster and I'm fairly well known, daily I get emails, you know, messages on LinkedIn from, and they're all podcast people. They don't mm -hmm. want to, some of them do want to be on my show and they're smart enough to say, Hey, Denise, I listened to you and Ben Gay the third, or I listened to you and Cynthia Covey, you know, and mm -hmm. I like This is what, that's smart. I'll pay attention to that. <clears throat> Excuse me. But when they, you know, instantly, instantly, hi, Denise, I'm a podcast. So-and-so and so, and we do this kind of work and it won't cost you a penny and blah, blah, blah. Can we meet? No, we cannot. 
Not not a remote chance. <laughs> no. And I don't even bother to respond. I delete it and I block them. It's like, this is how you're going to be? No. So sometimes the gatekeeper is pissed off. So let's just put it that way. And your own gatekeeper. I sort of turned into my own gatekeeper because after I had that uh, conversation with Ray Considine about why do you make it so hard to get to you, and one level, Marty, would have done it. All the other levels were superfluous. But uh, I, I said, great. I put a phone, had a phone put on my desk. For your younger listeners, we used to have phones with cords, and they went over to the wall, got one of those, put it on my desk, and we publicized that phone number to our clients and uh, executives and so on. If you want to speak directly to Ben Gay, here's the number you dial. And rather quickly in that conversation, I might say, well, next time you have this question, ask for the accounting department or do this or whatever. It took me a little bit to train them, but I, I decided to remove all of those obstacles. But I only gave that number to certain people. It wasn't uh, you know, publicized in the monthly newsletter. It was only to certain people, but I want to make sure if they want to get through to me, they could do it. But those same people had Marty's private line, and they knew they could get to her and get to me. And as the gentleman I was talking about, his name was Vance Powell. As Vance said, no, I I really want this done, Ben. Could I speak to Marty? <laughs> you know, some of them would rather speak to Marty. It was right. because I'm Southern. The conversation was shorter if you talk to her and perhaps more effective. Well, and that kind of makes sense. But, you know, they were smart enough to watch who was doing what yep. and who was in charge of what. And if you're coming in as a you know newbie salesperson or just somebody said, I really need to talk with you. And sometimes that does happen. You may be a very important person and you really do want to talk to somebody, but you have to know how to approach you can't just say, hey, I'm Denise Griffiths, and I need to talk with blah, blah, blah. Now, that's not going to fly. Right. And if you do it to me, it's really not going to fly. I don't care who you are. A gentleman called this morning. I don't know how I don't know how or why he had my cell phone, but he did. And I answered. He said, may I speak to Gigi? And I said, are you an old boyfriend or something? Uh, and he said, no, no, it's business. I said, well, then let me give you a business lesson. When you call a place, you don't say, may I speak to Gigi or me or anybody else in the organization? You say, hello, my name is, I'm with so-and-so, and the reason I'm calling is fill in the blank. May I please speak to, in that case, it would have been Ms. Gay, not, not if I don't know you, you don't call her Gigi. We're sort of a unit, so I know who's who. I also know if you ask for Lorna, you're an old friend of hers because Gigi's a nickname. Uh, so if if you're Lorna, you've known her for 50 years or more. And uh, so he said, well, I really appreciate that. And I said, good. Uh, may He said, may I please speak to Gigi? And I said, you apparently either have a bad connection or you're stupid. So don't call this number again. Goodbye. So you never found out what he was talking about for business? No. 
See, that was a big mistake on his part. Yes, it was. After you schooled <laughs> him, he could have said, I am so sorry. Can I call back? And I'm going to do it right this time. Yeah, exactly. I've even said to people, let's start over. Ring, mm -hmm. ring. Hello. And, you know, and then the bright ones go, hi, this is Bob Smith with the ABC company. And the reason I'm calling is this. Uh, and I think I want to speak to, if you don't know, I think I want to speak to Gigi Gay. But here's why I'm calling. Because you can save a lot of time and trouble when they say, well, that isn't what she handles. You know, she, she doesn't buy janitorial supplies. But I'll put you in touch with a person who does. If you've done it professionally, I'm on your side. We but, need and want all the help we can get. Right. And it's not just a, a matter of, you know, being professional about it. It's common sense. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. and I do the same thing. Maybe somebody I haven't talked with in a while, they're going to recognize my voice. People always do. But I'll say, hey, this is Denise Griffiths. Hey, Denise. And then I'll I'll say, hang on a second. In, in my own head, <laughs> let me tell you why I'm calling you. But, you know, you have to, first of all, say, and I do this with my friends. You know, if I'm calling somebody kind of unannounced because we're all busy and I'll say, hey, it's Denise. Do you have a few minutes? Is this a good time? Because sometimes it's not. And you don't want to just launch into whatever dissertation you've got going on. Absolutely. And when you get good at it, we were talking about Ray Considine earlier. I hadn't thought about doing that when we first started today's show. Uh, Considine was he, he'd been a male model when he was young, tall trim by the time I knew him, white hair, the Hollywood horn rim glasses. He was a presence. I'm up doing a seminar somewhere and oh, I was going to do a seminar somewhere. I think it was in Arizona as best I recall. And uh, Ray said, I, I'm going to be in wherever it was, Phoenix that day. Uh, I'll swing by. I said, all right, well, what I'll do is I'll put a letter at the door or send you a letter or put a letter at the door telling them to let you in. He, he laughed. He said, I don't need a letter uh, to to get in, you know. And uh, I said, well, I'm just trying to make your life easier. He said, don't worry about it. If I make it, you'll see me probably on the front row. And, uh, and it was a paid, you had to pay to be there, a couple hundred dollars as best I recall. So I thought, well, that'll be interesting. A few minutes late into the meeting, I look up and there's Considine standing against the wall, arm fold, arms folded, uh, leaning back against the wall. And he looks at me and when he saw it, we made eye contact and he winked. I found out later that the sponsor of the seminar was up front also. And his assistant, whoever it was, said that guy didn't pay. Now, keep in mind, he's in an impeccable tailor-made suit. Hair looks like he just came out of the Hollywood makeup room. Expensive glasses, handsome to start with. He said, should I throw him out? And the sponsor of the meeting, the owner of the company said, that guy has been walking into meetings unobstructed longer than you and I have been alive. Leave him alone. Oh, my gosh. That, that was the presence he had. He's the one in, in, I think it's in the closers part, too, where I tell the story of the yellow door. Uh, his wife worked for AT&T, top executive, 
there at the the World's Fair or something in New York where AT&T had a huge exhibit about what the world was going to be like in 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And uh, it was the most popular exhibit there. And uh, so so even they are in line. She wasn't working the exhibit and Ray didn't work for AT&T. So they're in line and he's standing next to a sign that says one hour from this point. And he looks over to the side of the building and he sees a yellow door, you know, playing a door that had been painted yellow. And he saw some people with tool belts on come and go from there. So he takes his wife's hand, wife's hand and says, come with me. And they walk over to the side door. She's an executive VP or something with AT&T. And he goes, somebody inside must have said yes. He said, Considine. And the door opened and they went in and they were not only not in the line anymore, they were in the middle of the exhibit. And uh, whoever let him in said, is there anything in particular I could take you to? He said, no, we'll just walk around. Thank you. And he was telling me the story. I said, that's marvelous. He said, Ben, in life, there are always yellow doors. Look for the yellow door. And what we're talking about today, the yellow door is the gatekeeper. There's always a gatekeeper of some sort, uh, of some degree of authority. And if you look for them, isolate them, become their friend, life just becomes so much easier in so many ways. And and that is brilliant. I just wrote that down, yellow door. I'm going to have to write an article about that. I've got it forming in my head. <laughs> because what you just said is just so brilliant. You know, they're always look for the yellow door. Don't just go, oh, I hit a door. Now my nose is bleeding. Now what? Well, you go around it. And I've always said this. If you come against an obstacle that looks like it's impenetrable, you go around it, you go over it, you blow it up. (laughs) I just, it's an attitude, but it works for me. My old friend, Robert Schuler, the Garden Grove Community Church, the uh, Crystal Cathedral, he was better Uh known as. Uh, that was one of his things when you encounter an obstacle, go around it, under it, over it, but, you know, get it handled. and Blow uh, it up. That's, yeah, yeah, blow it up. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure Schuler would have used that particular term. Probably I asked him not. one time uh, about uh, how did how he build this magnificent place. They had virtually no money. And he decided he wanted this crystal cathedral, 5,000 glass windows uh, in it and so on. And uh, and they were, A, they had no money, and B, the church was in debt. And the church was, he held it at a drive-in theater during the daytime on Sunday. And he stood on the roof of the snack bar and lectured his parishioners through the speaker, you know, the speaker that used to hang in a drive-in uh, movie that you hang inside your car that was their sound system and uh, I've seen those on history sites huh? I've seen those on history oh, sites oh yeah <laughs> I've seen them from the inside of a steamy window <laughs> <laughs> but that's Call a different later. story <laughs> <And> I'm, <laughs> I'm going to ask Gigi if that's true <laughs> uh, anyway he, he uh I said, how did you do this? Because I was down there for the grand opening of this thing that cost $17 million. And he opened the uh, 
he opened it debt free uh, from from ground zero on top of a snack bar and a drive-in theater. So I said, what's the secret of a church? So I'm looking for some deeply philosophical, biblical talk or answer to my question about how he built it. And he said, visibility, accessibility, parkability. You got to be able to see it, get to it, and park easily when you get there. And even after it was the Crystal Cathedral with, I don't know, four or 5,000 people sitting inside, you could still stay in your car and turn to a radio station and hear what was going on in the church over the radio. And I said, why, why do you still do that? And he said, I'm not going to lose my base. These people came to church in their pajamas and listen to me on a drive-in theater speakerphone. They I might want to stay in their pajamas and still come. So they have now they have an option. See, I had no idea that anything about that. I mean, I've, I'm aware of the Crystal Cathedral. I don't. Is it still around? I don't know. It's a Catholic church now. Oh, is it? it? Yeah, it fell into the hands of uh, unqualified uh, kids. Oh. And they managed to drive it in the ground after Bob got older and then died. Oh, sorry. I do remember seeing pictures of it and probably, I don't know, YouTube, you know, hearing snippets of it. And I always thought it was a magnificent looking building. Mm -hmm. And it I mean, was... with the Crystal Cathedral, how could it not be? Yeah, it was, he sold everything. There were 5,000 windows, and I forget what they went for each, but you got your window, and it was on a diagram where you could bring your friends in and show them your window. I think they were $500 a piece times 5,000 of them, oh. whatever that comes to. And then he sold the organ by soul. I mean, this is the Louise Smith Memorial Organ for $1 million to somebody. And it was one of the larger pipe organs in the, in the world. Then they got in there and did a practice sermon. And he said, Ben, I'm confident that my voice from that sermon is still bouncing around inside the, the cathedral. They hadn't done the acoustics right. You know, think of that huge building, all glass, you know, with 80 foot ceilings at the peak and and whatever on the sides he said the, whatever i said if you want to hear it again just go stand in the church be quiet because i'm sure it's still bouncing around in there so he decided to put speakers in the backs of every chair so when you're sitting down there's a speaker right in front of you and now you heard from him directly and those went for i think it was 1500 apiece times four or five thousand or whatever so when he opened you could hear him and everything was paid for was and i have to ask because i'm thinking he was just a salesperson extraordinaire yes sounds like it i mean he i he wanted things done he wanted to get it done he wanted to do it debt free and he found a way to get everybody involved whether that's with their tithing or whether it was you know pitching for the organ or the windows that's brilliant by the way it but it seems like he never missed a beat that's pretty i have to go find out more about this man now yeah he was he was really something interesting guy and he did not that he read it uh read the book i think the church opened before the i wrote the book 
but sales closing power by J. Douglas Edwards among the allegedly I did it for him after he died, but it's from his stuff, from his material and seminars and so on. Uh, his the most famous and favorite chapter in there is reduce it to the ridiculous. Or as I coined one time, you can uh, eat an elephant as long as you eat it one bite at a time. Well, that's what Bob did. He looked at this insurmountable obstacle and did a whole bunch of sales things simultaneously. One, he reduced it to the ridiculous. 5,000 windows, you'll have one or more if you want, but one. And so you're part of the family. The uh, uh, bricks in the, or uh, I don't know what you call them, the concrete cement things that you walk on to get there. Pavers. Yeah, yeah, pavers, stepping stones. Those were all uh, uh, in somebody's name. Everywhere you looked, somebody had put up money and gotten credit for putting up the money. So he made you a part of the family. Where are you going to go to church if you own a $500 window at the cathedral that you can show to your friends? Well, the psychology is is impactful. I mean, absolutely. And he reduced it to the ridiculous. Cute little story. Holiday Magic Cosmetics was a multi-level marketing company, and I was head of it. Uh, Therefore, it was controversial because multi-level marketing companies uh, always are. They now call them network marketing companies, so you won't know that they're multi-level marketing companies. But when I first went down to meet Schuler, I was invited down by a friend of mine, famous speaker, Danny Cox. He's passed away. But uh, he invited me to come down. And I spent the night at his house the night before we went to the church. And he said, uh, Ben, the one thing I don't, please don't mention is Holiday Magic Cosmetics. And I said, why? He said, well, you know, it was a little controversial and so on. And this is Robert Schuler and the Crystal Cathedral and the hour of power and and so on. I said, oh, okay. Uh, Won't be hard to avoid. So we sit down at the table for lunch with Mr. and Mrs. Schuler, Danny and his wife, Theo, my wife and me. And he says, Ben Gay, Ben Gay, I know that name. Were you ever associated with William Penn Patrick and Danny turned white? (laughs) And And I said, yes. And he got up, picked up his chair, came came over and put it down next to me. He said, tell me how you did it. Oh, my gosh. What did he want to know? Well, we were taking the company from nothing in 1964 to by 1967, we were taking in a million dollars a day in cash adjusted for inflation. That was three and a half billion dollars a year starting with a $16,000 investment and some old cosmetics that the original company couldn't sell. And he knew about that. And he knew about William Penn Patrick, who ran for governor of California against uh, Ronald Reagan. That wasn't a real good idea. Uh, and uh, so he, he'd heard the stories and we'd been in the, the newspapers and, and so on. But his thing was, this is Ben Gay with Holiday Magic Cosmetics. All bets are off. Tell me how you did it. Uh, I didn't have anything as wise to say as he said to me, visibility, accessibility, parkability. (laughs) I think my answer was a little longer, but the gist of it was the same. We learned how to sell. We found out what our customers needed and wanted, and we gave it to them. 
is really a pretty simple concept and scripting. Yes. And I think people don't understand when they're trying to sell something. Uh, oftentimes I'll come across somebody who's just going to sell me something, yep. you know, especially in the podcast industry, they want me to, you know, hire them to do their edits, you know, do my edits. I don't edit. They want to do my social media. I do my own social media. I'm good. I'm fine. <laughs> but yet they haven't looked at me enough to know that I'm my own team. They just don't understand that. They haven't looked. So, you know, they're really annoying me because they haven't paid a lick of attention to who I am, what I do. Yeah, do a little research. It might, help you, might help yeah. you get past the gatekeeper. If my. you do something, I, I get those frequently. Uh, I found you on the internet or while looking through web pages, I found you and so on. Tell me about what you do. <laughs> and, I, and I, I'm really not egotistical. I'm a humble guy. But if you're in selling, you you know you've heard my name. If only because it's easy to remember and it might make you think of the ointment, or you've heard of the closers, the 17 million people and selling it at any given time. We've sold ten. We sold ten and a half million copies of the closers when we quit counting 30 years ago. If you're in a sales office, somebody within arm's length of you has a copy of one of my books. So to those people, I usually say, if I've got time to even respond at all, I say, how long have you been in selling, not counting yesterday? Right. But even, even if you hadn't heard of me, hadn't heard of the closers, Go it, wouldn't take you, it wouldn't take you four minutes to find me and find out more about me than you'd ever want to know. It's like you, you're always saying you can throw a stick at the Internet and you'll find us. Uh, you're not you're not hard to find. I'm not hard to find. So when you call me and say, tell me what you do. Goodbye. Yeah. LinkedIn has gotten very bad. I'm going to tell all y'all trainers who are teaching these people to do that. Stop it. It doesn't work. You're taking money. And you're cheating people if you're giving them this kind of advice. Just knock it off. You're always so succinct. I I love that about you. <laughs> you know I have no filters. It's no, none. <laughs> For those of you listening, Denise and I kid each other uh, about the fact that we don't have filters. Frequently, when I says I say something or she says something, that's the first time either one of us have ever heard it. This is why I have to cut out the first part of this podcast every Wednesday because the first 10 minutes we're in what I call my virtual green room and all bets are off. <laughs> every once in a while I'll go, okay, that was funny. And I'll send the whole thing to you so Gigi can laugh at us too. Yeah, I look at sometimes in our chat, I look up to see if it's recording yet. I know you'd edit it out, but better than editing something out is not recording it to start with. As mm. as two reporters <laughs> discovered yesterday while discussing their joy over the thought of Trump being assassinated. I know. I, I know. Whether you I, want him assassinated I'm, I'm or not, actually he's smart enough. about that. Yeah, just stop don't, talking. Don't talk about it on a hot mic. Right. <laughs> I mean, God. I know. It really is insane. But, you know, what we're talking about here is – you. When you're in sales, you, you have to be aware. You have to listen, more listening than talking. And I think that's a big problem that people have. 
I, and I don't know. And I know I've mentioned this before. It's like, oh, I've got to pay my mortgage. I've got my oldest daughter needs braces. Oh, geez. You know, the dog needs to go to the you know veterinarian and that's going to cost, I don't know how much. And, you know, if you're busy thinking about that and you're not really watching, listening, researching, you're probably not going to get past the gatekeeper and the gatekeeper may well be me. And I'm the worst mm-hmm. one that you don't want to mess with me as a gatekeeper. <laughs> really, you don't. Cause, I, I was uh, having cranky about uh, it. I was having a daytime nightmare thinking about that, calling <laughs> you, <laughs> calling you cold. No. Well, you know, well, you can't for starters. Nobody really knows how to reach me. You can call my toll-free number, but I'll call you back if, you know, you've left a message that's worthy of my attention. And I know that sounds snotty, but you kind of covered it. It's like, you know, hey, I need to talk with Denise, blah, blah, and that's it. Well, no, you're not going to just have me take my time to call you to find out that you want to know what's the best hex color for a website. <laughs> There are websites for that. Google. I can't tell you how many times I've said, Google it. Bye. You have a nice day. Or go to your local paint store. And yeah. yeah. Pick out a color you like. Yeah, there's that. But if you do what you said, you know, this is Denise Griffiths. I'm, you know, I'm calling about this. And the reason I know who you are, blah, 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 I've listened to your podcast, or somebody referred me to you as a web developer, give me some information. Otherwise, you just wasted your time and mine because I had to listen to it. Right. Here's a little secret for for uh, gatekeepers that Marty taught me. She she said, I just, it's, if they're unbearable, she said, I just disconnect. And I said, well, isn't that judge's rude? She said, no, I always disconnect when they're talking. They think, therefore, it's on their end. Ah. I so, you, know, you don't say goodbye uh, <laughs> no. mid-conversation. And, and I said, well, wouldn't it be better if you disconnected when you were talking? Who would disconnect themselves? She said, that's good. I'll try that. I don't know if she ever got back to it, but she didn't want to have unpleasant conversations. She, she just hung up you know, in a way that sounded like the phone went dead. It happens. Honest. It really does. Yeah. I've done that too. Listen, before we are out of time, Ben, where can people find you and your mentoring program? And of course, where can they buy the sales Bibles, the closers part one and part two? Well, if you want to get the books, which come with an unconditional lifetime money back guarantee, uh, and at a better price than even I sell them, and with free shipping, go to stores, S-T-O-R-E-S dot eBay dot com forward slash Ronzoni Books, R-O-N-Z-O-N-E-B-O-O-K-S, and they will get them off to you if you order by two o'clock. They will be signed by me, dated, and in the mail that day. Uh, and then if you want to reach me personally, uh, talk maybe about our mentoring program, just shoot me an email at B, as in Ben, F as in Frank, G as in Gay, the numeral three, BFG3, at directcon, D-I-R-E-C-T-C-O-N, short for directconnect.net. And and in the subject line, give me a hint as to what we're going to be talking about. Mentoring might be a good one. I'll tell you how I've worked with people just like Dr. Napoleon Hill, 
work for me when he was paid a substantial amount of money to turn me into a human being. He managed it. And speaking of Napoleon <laughs> Hill, I've got to tell you, my guest, two or three weeks back now, the time just is rushing, but quite a famous journalist, and he's written 15 books. Fascinating guy. We had a really terrific conversation. He did not know who Napoleon Hill was. He'd never heard of him. I was like, oh, you're a journalist, and you didn't know he was a journalist, <laughs> and you've never heard of Napoleon Hill, but I'm he said, you know, Denise, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, Denise, I came on the show to teach you and your audience stuff, and you're teaching me stuff, because I was talking about the masterminds and Napoleon Hill's mastermind. So we had a email string going on for about a week where I was sending him things about Napoleon Hill, about you. He's fascinated. I don't know how he didn't know who he was. I didn't think anybody in the world did not recognize that name. Well, a lot of a lot of people don't, and Dr. Hill, wherever he is, I assume he made it to heaven, is looking down and chuckling because he told me many times, I, you know, he'd sold I don't know a hundred million copies of Think and Grow Rich. It was said to be the second only to the Bible. I don't know if that was true or not, but that's the way it was billed for years. Uh, and I said, how's it feel? You know, you've achieved a degree of immortality, and he would laugh and say, Ben. People will soon forget me and my work. You know, that actually that, has not happened, though. Well, it hasn't. But Tony Rubaleski, one of your guests and, my, and, and friends and my good friend, told me one time that he always says, how many of you have heard of Dr. Hill? And over the years, the numbers, you know, he's died 53 years ago. Uh, over the years, he said the hands have gone down. Uh, oh. And uh, that he did one one time. I don't know how many people were there. He said, "I'm guessing ten percent of the hands in the room went up." Oh, so uh, immortality is is hard to achieve. And, yeah, it uh, is. Uh, but it's if our listeners do nothing else, even before you order my books. No, I'm sorry, I said that. That's not true. Order my books first, <laughs> and then think and, <laughs> and grow rich. Then get thinking grow rich. <laughs> It's, right. it's the classic in self-development. Well, I've read it so many times, multiple times over the years. And, you know, I try to read it from beginning to end about twice a year, although I do pick it up and thumb through it quite a bit. But anyway, I just wanted to, to tell you about that. I couldn't remember if I had shared that with you or not, but we had a fascinating conversation. He's like, huh. And then once he started digging into Napoleon Hill, he was more like, huh. So <laughs> we have a new convert, I think. Well, listen, everybody, thank you for joining. Oh, and Ben gave you his information. I will give you my toll-free number if you want to talk to me about podcasting, web development, or leave a question for me and Ben to answer on this podcast. We'll be happy to. Just call 1-888-719-6711, 888-719-6711. You will have to leave a message and I will call you back if the call is asking for a call back and it makes sense to me. Otherwise, just... <laughs> You have to make sense to me, but, you know, just get in touch with us. We are easy to spot. So Ben, think, what are we going to be talking about next week? Great question. And knowing you were going to ask that, ah. I selected our closers listen carefully on page 109 of the closers part two. How closers listen carefully. 
Yeah, power closers. Oh. Listen carefully. Okay, got it. Or, or clearly, I, I misread that. Listen clearly. Yeah. Same got thing. it. Yeah. Okay. Well, anything you want to share before I cut you loose and we talk again on next Wednesday? No, but with my lightning quick brain, I thought you were going to say before I cut you off, but you said yeah. cut you loose. That's a little friendlier. <laughs> yeah. Hey. I'm hey, good. Now. I'm good. And look forward to next week. Me too. Well, listen, go forth, everybody. Have a terrific day, and we will see you next Wednesday. Thanks, Ben. Thank you.